the creators of Relevant Magazine. It's the Relevant Podcast. It's the week of Friday, June 27, 2014, and this is the Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and before we get going with the show this week, I got to give you a little bit of a housekeeping note. It's going to be a weird, weird show. Um, you're going to hear something that was crafted together in post-production because of some major technical issues that happened during the recording. So uh, our producer, Chad Michael Snavely, is out this week and next on paternity leave. We're very excited for him. In fact, you'll hear me mention this in the show on the show in a few minutes. And in his stead, the studio was set up in a way uh, that we came in and recorded without him. Unfortunately, after the recording was done, we realized one of the lines, which was the line shared by Shauna and Tyler, um, was corrupted and did not uh, record in the software correctly. It was unfixable. Chad was involved. And what we had to do after the fact was kind of piece together a show that captures um, kind of the, the best version of what we have. So what you're going to hear is Front Matter as recorded uh, by myself, Eddie, Jesse, and unfortunately, Shauna, who joined us, um, had to get cut out of what was left. There was actually a good 15, 20 minutes that um, she was very involved in, and that whole part of it had to come out because her, her track failed. After that, also, uh, Slices, unfortunately. Tyler Huckabee, our managing editor, joined us for Slices. It was great. It was funny. It was one of the funniest segments we've ever done, and it didn't make it either. So instead of jumping to Slices, we're going to go right to our guests, which I'll tell you about in a few minutes. And uh, at the end of the episode, Tyler and Jesse and I got together, uh, minus Eddie, minus Shauna, and recorded what is kind of best described as a fusion of feedback and Slices, kind of a mega segment. Uh, it's a lot of fun, and it's so it's a unique show. It's different than our normal format. If this is your first episode, we apologize. Uh, but everything will be fixed and back to normal next week. So without any further ado, here is the, uh, I don't know, hodgepodge edition of the Relevant Podcast. Week of Friday, June 27th, 2014, and this is The Relevant Podcast. I'm your host, Cameron Strang, and this week's episode is brought to you by our friends at Harry's. Harry's is a company that's less than a year old and is already disrupting the shaving industry by offering a better shaving experience at a better value than the giants like, you know, Gillette. Oh, I don't, don't even talk about them. The company makes amazing German-engineered blades, and they care so much about the quality of the shave that they just purchased the 93-year-old German factory that makes them. It's pretty amazing. Wow. Uh-huh. Jeff, one of Harry's co-founders, also co-founded uh, eyewear brand Warby Parker, and there are many similarities in their disruptive business model, which emphasizes great design, meticulous craftsmanship, amazing value, and highly personal, dedicated customer service. Only 15 bucks gets you a set that includes a handle, three blades, and shave cream shipped right to your door. They even offer a custom engraving option to engrave your initials on the razor handle if you want to. Uh, Relevant podcast listeners, we have a special offer for you. You can go to harrys.com, H-A-R-R-Y-S.com, and use the promo code RELEVANT5 to save five bucks off your first purchase. Now, uh, the way you can remember it, is it's RELEVANT5, no, <laughs> RELEVANT5, because you save $5. 
That's uh, huge. That's a third off of the fifteen bucks. That's huge. That is that is significant. And that's our the name of our podcast. So it really makes sense. Relevant, relevant five. five. Relevant podcast five. Like I said, I'm, <laughs> I'm your host Cameron Strang, and here with me in our Orlando studios, Eddie Pop Pop Coffold. Nice to see you, Cameron. On the Skype line from Loverland, Virginia, Jesse Carey. Hello, hello. And not here no. because he's with his brand new baby, <laughs> our, uh, Tyler Huck- <laughs> our producer, Chad Michael Snavely. <laughs> he's on paternity leave because uh, the day we recorded this, yes, uh, in the, the pre-dawn hours, oh, yeah. uh, he and his wife, Casey, welcomed their daughter, Mila Gray Snavely, to the world. Gray Michael Snavely. She is cute, <laughs> cute, cute. Mila Gray. Yeah, a lot cute. of newborns look like potatoes. This is a cute baby. No, Mila is beautiful. This looks like a baby. Yeah. yeah, so we're really excited. Dorbs, Chad's out. I said, I said, adorbs, total totes, totes, totes adorbs. adorbs. <laughs> oh, we just jinxed each other on that. That was weird. <laughs> well, this is a great show. I'm really excited about this lineup, not because I helped put it together, but just because it's a great lineup. Um, coming up later, we talked to one of our favorite new bands, uh, The War on Drugs. Tyler Huckabee, our managing editor, says it's the best album of the year. Has the War on Drugs? Okay, but Amy Grant didn't come out till August. So <laughs> I guess so far. Yeah. Uh, also coming up, we uh, Tyler talks to Francis Chan. All of a sudden, it's the Tyler show. Author, Pastor Francis Chan. Uh, coming up, but despite that, and yes. like we're on top of that, how could there be more? This is an incredibly special episode for like three reasons, like like multiple reasons for this being an amazingly special show. Number one, I'm I'm editing and producing this, and so to help me out to to lessen the load because I also have to kind of run a company, we're in, you know we're finishing up some products. Um, I, I I'm a parent. Um, uh, Eddie said I will make sure that things go smoothly and we won't have a whole lot of editing. <laughs> so as you can <laughs> see in these first that's five already. minutes, uh, that's number one. Um, and, and Chad's out for the next two weeks, so we're gonna. You. So the Cameron, inma- can I make an offer to you to help? Lessen this workload for the next two weeks. Okay. Get me off the show. I'll just come back. Next week, can I choose the music? Oh. I'm putting you on the spot here. Well, you like you, you segued to a very special one of the things that makes this a very special did episode. You, did you know this already? Is today <laughs> this episode is Eddie Koffeltz's one year anniversary on the Rolling <sighs> Podcast. This is a big deal for me. And to celebrate, oh, oh. we're all wearing party hats. All of us. and um, clown shoes and, and shaved. And Eddie is choosing all of the music for this week's episode. Everything. So everything you've already heard, everything you're going to hear, this is all This is all music I get to choose. I chose music that even Lucy and I have danced to. So that's the theme. I, I asked Eddie, I said, I, you know, I'm going to give you a big opportunity. You got one shot here. Right. But I need a theme from you. Right. So your theme is... Music we've danced to. Okay. You- now... Now, some of it is is just a song that happened to be on that we just started dancing to. And then there's also a DC Talk song. Uh, we hadn't danced to DC Talk yet, but I feel like I'd be doing a disservice. But you ran out of dance song- songs that you've danced <laughs> right. to. I actually chose the DC Talk song because I want to hear Cameron announce. That was... And so I'm looking forward to that moment later on in the show. Well, I'm just throwing this out there, Cameron. If you need the help next week to pick music, I know that's burdensome. Yeah, you know, because there's a lot going on. I will, I will take one for the team and do that. It was hard to do, though. You know why it was hard to do? Because I wanted to go all joke songs at first, just you know, cats and things that were just ludicrous. <laughs> but I was like, well, I don't really want to destroy the show with my like one chance to pick the music. But then I was like, well, I'm not cool enough to be like, here's the new thing off of some cool album that's only available on vinyl or whatever. So I didn't have anything like that. 
So I just went. You can only buy in vinyl from imported from Germany. <laughs> totally. Oh, here's relevance. Literally, we we record our podcast analog. We just we do. We put the needle down, and <laughs> that's you know. the frontier of our new podcast. I am doing. I am editing by cutting reel to reel tape. That's <laughs> some of this stuff was so is so obscure that it can only be recorded live by Cameron. <laughs> it's a one of one. Um, okay, so that okay, so two now two down. Uh, why this is a special episode? Big deal. Uh, one, uh, Chad's out, baby. We miss him. Two, Eddie anniversary music. Thank you. Three, we experienced Jimmy Fallon. Yeah, have the recap um, for us. Okay, well now you start, Chad. You start. Oh no, sorry, Chad's not here. I'm the worst at this show. <laughs> Cameron, you sh- you start. <laughs> well, Chad, Eddie, this is already more editing work than we've ever I had. Am, I, am, I am freaking out right now. I'm a little sweaty and I'm uncomfortable. So, so we back um, to you, Cameron. <laughs> as a lot of as everybody knows, uh, last week uh, the Tonight Show starring Jimmy Fallon shot here in Orlando. Yeah. they took over the city. It was four days. They took over the city. We talked about it. Um, you know, on like Tuesday night there was a. Uh, secret stand-up show at the by the writers mm-hmm. that we went to, and then uh, we went to the taping on Wednesday, and then I also went to the taping on Thursday. Questlove was DJing all week long. Um, I mean, just like they were all around the city. I mean, it just like it just took over the city. Yeah. It was it was great. Yeah. So we were fortunate enough to get tickets. Um, a friend of mine got tickets and said, "Bring the podcast, guys!" And so we all went, four of us. And um, it was incredible. It, it exceeded every possible expectation, and I had really high expectations. Me too. Yeah. So here's my observation of Eddie. <laughs> so, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Weird. So I, was I was expecting that sentence uh, to end with Jimmy Fallon. Here's why Eddie is so crazy. <laughs> no, I, I, because we were so excited. And I'm not somebody who usually gets excited before something. I just kind of yeah. like, I'm happy now. I'm like, happy oh, then. whatever. Cohen's born. <laughs> <laughs> and so, but Eddie was like so excited. Yeah. I was almost afraid he he would either like, Explode and just be shrieking the entire time, or he would just like shut down. Yeah, yeah. Did it come to the point where you almost wanted to distance yourself? (laughs) (laughs) No offense, Eddie, but I'm just just trying to gauge your level of excitement here. Yeah, I mean, when I get excited, though, I get chatty. Yeah, yeah, yes, he was chatty all. Day. day I met we met many people in line who we became very close friends with we Gregory Gregory C R A I G E R Y Gregory yeah um yeah we just had a good time talking yeah so Eddie's working the crowd he's and I'm going oh man but, but the, just just the, so we're clear when you say working the crowd this is the people standing in line in front and behind you no, not that, like no, not that, the, the 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 audience of the tonight show no yeah that's right yeah, yeah this and, is and this the is, workers some yeah, of the this workers is standing out, outside in 95 <laughs> in degrees studio employees yeah, yeah. yes i'm standing outside 95 degrees and i'm talking to the people in line it's yeah. really sweltering and, and so you're you're waiting you're waiting for someone for the tonight show to spot this 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 act that, that and invite w- you to be a part of the show right there. That was not my intention. I actually didn't think about that. But once I once we got into the studio, I'm like, we are going to be full tilt crazy because if they're going to pick anybody for some sort of game, and I'm going to like hang out with Jimmy Fallon, it's not going to be sitting on the sidelines. Yeah, we're going to be. Fully you, you're going to be the one playing beer pong with Brian Cranston. Exactly. <laughs> so so the studio is huge. The normal studio is 240 people. This was 800 people. Four performances sold out in a matter of like a minute mm-hmm. like 3200 seats gone so we were fortunate enough to get in uh, our seats were dead middle like yeah. middle of the middle like the the tonight show i mean the word tonight was directly in front of me we were just above the cameras and cue cards so we had perfect can view. i ask one question about that real yeah. quick about yeah. sitting dead middle yeah i'm always paranoid about sitting dead middle in anything that i'm gonna have to use the bathroom right well you had to know going in you heard about a hundred times 
you were if you use the bathroom, you don't come back in. Don't let your phone ring. Like they really scared you. They so. shut off. Yeah, you shut off your phone. There's no Instagrams. You'll never see yeah. an Instagram in the studio. Yeah. Um, they have people watching yeah. like crazy up in the rafters yeah. all around. We were like little kids because we were seriously like, okay, guys, this is the last bathroom stop, and we'd all go in and do a bathroom break because well, like it, I don't sit in the middle at church in the movies anything. I gotta be right on the edge just in case I need to use the bathroom. I can. I'm like I'm like Mission Impossible. No, you I never that. even know I left. But if I have to walk down an aisle. You know, know. Well, you're done. I mean, you're just, yeah. you're just, you can't come back. So I know I've felt the same. Way. You have to make life choices. Yeah, do I want to watch this or do I want to relieve myself? Right. Yeah, um, I would, I would have remained dehydrated for days in advance. <laughs> preparation. I'm gonna, t- I'm gonna tell you somewhere around the animal segment, I began to highly regret the green tea that I had had about an hour and a half before. Um, and but we made it, you know, because I was like, well. I mean, oh, I thought you were talking about like a green T-shirt. No, 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 no. I was like, like, the, like I thought it, I was going to pee my pants. Yeah. <laughs> Just so, being so, delicate. So our guest, our guest was supposed to be Tracy Morgan, but he was in the hospital. Mm-hmm. So they got Rosario Dawson to fill in, yeah. and then uh, Jeff, the animal guy, yeah. and then the performance was by the band Fun. Fun. It was a fun. I have to say the band fun because because if I say the performance was fun, well then just well who played? Well who played? Who's on, who's first? on first? Who's on first? Yeah. Right? <laughs> it's like, they're, to... they're like the, the modern version of the who. Well, who played? Yeah. Who? If you Google fun, a lot of things come up. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> so that was the lineup. Uh, they the comedians work in the crowd before the show. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people go down front and 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 if it's your birthday, you know, that day he'll have those people come down and they have to dance a dance competition. Were you so, tempted to lie and say it was your birthday? No. Like all three of you said it's your no. birthday. No, no. I, it's funny it didn't occur to me. Yeah. Uh, I, yeah, I should have. So that's a regret. So Thank this you. is the coolest part is like By after far. after the dance thing or whatever, and they're kind of like, okay. So the other thing about me, just personally, is I watch TV like the Tonight Show and game shows and all that kind of stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm like, how is the crowd always exuberantly cheering? Like that's not my personality. I'd be the guy who's just kind of like a little bit detached, watching, enjoying myself, yeah. but I, I'm not the guy who's going to hoot and holler, right. you know. And so I was like, I, I was wondering like how they would get us to that place. They right. gave you drugs, didn't they? And so... Because it seems like it would be like polite clapping, like, oh, good one, Jimmy. And then... They, right. they gassed you guys. Let's hear your next joke. And so, so like, okay, so to watch the behind-the-scenes process of how they get the crowd really engaged at that level was fascinating. So yeah. the, the comedian's loosening you up. He's a little kind of slightly family-friendly off-color. People are, you know, just like... Just enough. Just enough. Then they bring out the roots. Here is... This is... This is what blew me away. The, this was the best part because he's like, ladies and gentlemen, the legendary Roots crew and just the tuba player walks out and he's just like... Boom. But right, he's coming out, and then they start. Coming and and out. he says his name, and he's like, "This is so and so." And they come out one at a time, and then and the, and the bass player comes out, and he's playing, and, and they're, they're like doing like synchronized moves, like step and touch yeah. and stuff like that. And they're running up. Then the guitar player comes out, and then they're running up and down the aisles, and it just builds. And it's and like builds. our percussionist, Freddie Knuckles, and everybody cheers for Freddie Knuckles, and he joins in, and he goes to the spot, and then Questlove, and he. Well, but that was my favorite part is that Quest just comes out at the end and everybody's like running around doing the thing quest just walks up to the drums cool. puts in his ears picks up his sticks boom, boom. and just cracks and then and goes the, nuts. the song goes nuts and the crowd's up and they're dancing and we're having a party at that point well, well, I ha- real quick though didn't you go on two nights cameron i did so yeah. did they do the same thing both nights and did it different lose- songs Different songs, yeah. but the same thing of bringing them out, introducing each band member, and the crowd like really going, "Oh man, this is fun! You're having a Roots concert, and it's, it's just like it's party songs. It's not like from their album. It's like songs everybody knows, and you're just having a blast." It's the hardest I've ever screamed in my life because I love the Roots so much, and they were 
killing it. It was yeah. so good. All I could manage to scream was I was like, Quest, Quest. And we were going nuts. And the crowd, it was deafening. And then at the height of this, he says, and ladies and gentlemen, I mean, you're like, you're looking at your clock and you're going, wow. I mean, we're coming down to showtime. So then he brings out Higgins and, you know, the roots are still playing. He brings out Higgins. Higgins, like, talks to us and he reminds us. Hey, the this you guys are the show. You're gonna make it for all the all the viewers. We don't juice this at all. We don't add any sound effects or crowd noise. This is all you guys. Have fun, cut loose, cheer if you want to cheer, do whatever you want to do. Ladies, we got ten seconds. Ladies and gentlemen, here we go. Ten seconds. Ba 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 ba. And then Higgins reads it live and the lights go down and boom. And then Fallon's out. I mean, you're in a frenzy at this point. It just happens so fast. It was roots are at their peak of their song. They bring Higgins out. He talks for 20 seconds and he goes, We got 10 seconds to show. Lights drop. You're going, What is happening? And then boom, it happens. Yeah, they don't, they do not let go. And so the cheering is like a crescendo of what just happened. When he jumps into his monologue, are, are because I'm assuming Cameron, like you're saying, you, you can be a little, you know, detached in those, you know, settings where, uh, you know, people are, you know, it's some sort of performance. You're enjoying it, and I'm assuming when you watch the Tonight Show at, at home, you're not laughing out loud at every joke. Not at all. Did it translate to make you laugh at punchlines in the monologue? Yeah, it totally does. Because Absolutely. one person kind of laugh. I mean, it makes everything funnier. It makes everything more yeah. interesting. Because to be honest, if I had watched our show as, just at home, I didn't, Rosario Dawson, like I, she seems nice, but a fine not, show. And the animal guy, I'm usually like, oh yeah, the animals are kind of funny. But there. It's the funniest, most engaging thing you've yep. ever seen. My favorite part of it, though, other than The Roots, The Roots was like, I couldn't believe how good they were. The second part that I love, though, is like when Jimmy pitches to, I was really curious, like, yeah. is Jimmy a good dude? You know, because right. you you kind of get a sense. <laughs> he's really, just a jerk in the, during well, the but commercial you, break. But you never know, like, does it feel like an act? Is he? But man, when he like pitches to like a video, he's like, you know, we had like a little man on the street yeah, thing. Right. The lights go black. He's standing on the off to the side, and he is fully like crying, laughing, totally engaged. Watching it. Like during commercial, it's none of it's an act. Like he is just playful and funny and laughing at times when he thinks no one's watching him. And I, I, he was just it was really cool to see. Like, oh, he's just kind of like us. Like if we got a show, we would be just sort of freaking out to get this opportunity, well, like, and he's still freaking out. When they toss to those pre-taped segments, like during the monologue and stuff, I would, if I was him, yeah. I would take uh, tossed. Okay, camera's off me. I would look over to the director. I would like kind of like look ahead on the cue cards. I would like yeah. kind of gather my thoughts for when it comes back to me. Not him. Fully present. He's watching the video with everybody mm-hmm. else, cracking up with everybody else, and then it just so happens when it's over, he, he's genuinely laughing like everybody was, and then now he's back on the TV. He it. watched the videos. Yeah. I mean, like, I wonder if he's like an outlier. You know, because I it's hard to see like Letterman doing that. That's well, yeah, because I've seen Conan. Conan completely shuts down, and I, I like and completely like he's off, and then the cameras come he's up, like and he's playing, right back he's on playing games on his phone during the segments. <laughs> right, right. It was fascinating. Yeah. So that was, was great. Awesome. That was really cool. We had a blast. Uh, the 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 J- Jeff, brought, you know, at the end of it, they do like little like commercials, like when they're done, the guests are there, and they're like, "Hey, Bob and Deborah, Channel Two, stay tuned up next. I have yeah. Rosario Dawson." They do those at right. the end, and because Jeff brought out a big elephant. The elephant was in that shot, yeah. and they're doing these tape promos, which did not air, you know, right. air on the show. And in the middle of it, the elephant just lets loose peeing all over everything. It's like it floods it was, the stage. It was like a twenty-gallon oh. aquarium just burst so open. He, so the elephant did not get the memo about not using the restroom. <laughs> no, no, no. no. They, was he was he asked to leave and was not allowed back out? He had a nice Trenta green tea right beforehand, it and was, off he went. It was unbelievable. It was, 
him so and Eddie funny. both regretted their decision. So fun was recorded out <laughs> in the outside thing, which was a couple hours later. Yeah. And uh, Studio and Scott passes to get up front, and and but you had a couple hours in the park. Yeah. Access. So Eddie and Chad left. They had they had plans that evening. I stayed. Ended up riding a roller coaster. And when I when when we got like toward the end of the line, about to get on this crazy roller coaster, which was right next to the soundstage, um, in walks Rosario Dawson and the Roots, and they get in line with me. I'm standing in line with Rosario Dawson and the Roots, about to get on this crazy roller coaster, and they're just joking around, and we're all having a good time, and we ride the roller coaster together. Because you want to hang out with the Roots. Those guys are fun yeah. and funny. Like, you can tell they are a fun group to hang out with. Did, did you, did you like, when they were boarding the roller coaster, pull one of those slick moves and, like, kind of run ahead so you could sit in the middle of them? <laughs> like, no, no, I'm, I'm right here, guys. They were on, on, on I mean, they side. were on our coaster. Yeah, I mean, I was sitting with my friend, but we, Come they on, were Quest, on our I'll coaster. Come on, Quest, I'll sit right next to you. Yeah, it was crazy. No, Quest didn't write it. That one saved. Nope. That one saved. I got that one, Knuckles or whatever. Frankie yeah. Knuckles. <laughs> so that was really cool. So the next day... Well, and Brienne went that night and saw Quest DJ at the social, and he did all my Michael Jackson all night, yeah, and she said it was amazing. So the next day, so the next day, kind of same experience. Definitely wasn't the same. I took one of the friends I took was my brother, and my brother uh, was late. My brother was late. Uh-oh. You know, it's all about timing, getting there in line, get your seats. And we, he was about half an hour late, and I was I was really stewing, and 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 I was like, God, I would love to see you stewing. And so I was like, God. I was like, I was just plotting like how how he's going to make this up to us if we have crappy seats because of him. I swear, sure enough. Back row. Okay, second day two, back row in the corner. Freaking bitch. So we are, I am just plotting my revenge (laughs) for hours. I let him have it. I'm telling him, you are going to buy us all lunches. I'm going to walk into the merchandise shopping. You're going to buy me whatever I want. You are making this up to me. God, you are such a brother. And so, and so, (laughs) and so then my friend goes, no, no, no. Just uh, have him. It's a, it was his birthday on Monday. Have him go down and do the dan- the dancing and don't tell him. Yeah. So we walk in. Of course, we're late. So the guy, the comedian is already Freaking up there. Chandler, as of course, we're, we're late. As we're walking in because we're seated last because we're on the back row. Oh, Chandler. Thanks a lot, Chandler. Yeah. And so like we, we don't even get a chance to sit down and the guy goes, whose birthday is today? And I just start hooting and hollering and pointing at Chandler. And he's looking at me like, what are you doing? It might, it's not my birthday. And I'm just pointing at him, pointing at him. Well, not That's that, what I do to people at Mexican restaurants, by the way. And so not that many people had to go. <laughs> not, not, not that many people went down there. And so the guy like, yeah, 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 you in the back, yeah. And then at that point, like he had to go. So my brother, if you know him at all, he's the polar opposite of me. Like chill dude. Super nice. Yeah, super nice. Awesome Everybody likes him. <laughs> really really handsome, cool, cool. Talented, all that stuff. And, but like <laughs> he doesn't he doesn't want to stand out in right. a crowd. You know what I mean? And uh, so he kind of goes down there and he's standing there and he's not sure what's going on. Like we hadn't even gotten acclimated to the studio at this point. He just right. has to be yesterday right down there. And he's standing there and the guy goes, All right, so it's your birthday. So what we're gonna do is have a big dance off and da 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 and he my brother visibly just recoils, just like oh, no. so were you booing him when it was his turn to dance? So You're the worst, so trying to turn the crowd against them. So he was last, and it was like three kind of girls who were like just kind of nervous, and they didn't really do anything, and definitely wasn't like the night before, which you know that was crazy. And um and 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 so the guy like comes up to my brother, kind of like you're my last shot to save this bit. You know, you could kind of tell. And he goes, "You look like the type of guy who do something crazy, like I don't know, like take your shirt off, you know, whatever, you know, just something to like kind of like prompt." Chandler to do something crazy, which is not his personality. Well, he had a button-down shirt on, and underneath it, he had a tank top. And so when he says this, my brother just starts like, like he didn't have any dance moves, so he's just like, "Oh, okay," which is so, which is totally unlike you, actually. So he just yeah. went Magic Mike up there. So he starts, so he starts unbuttoning, <laughs> he starts unbuttoning his his shirt, and the crowd just starts going crazy. And then the music kicks, and it's Beyonce's single ladies. And so he unbuttons his shirt, and like 
you know, like pulls it open and like reveals his tank top, which is a Kazam tank top, the Shaq movie from the nineties, awesome. Kazam, <laughs> which the crowd loses it. And then he like reveals a shoulder and does the finger wag, like, uh, 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 <laughs> and the crowds are going crazy. Then he pulls his shirt off and he's like swinging it over his head and throws it into the crowd. The place is going nuts. This is my uh, brother. Yeah. And then like, okay. So he, so, so feasibly out of everyone that went with you. Yeah. The one that came closest to living the dream of being on the Tonight Show was the one that showed up half hour late yes! in the Kazam right. tank. Yeah. Right, <laughs> totally backfired. Totally right. backfired. That's really. And funny. so the entire rest of the time we're at the park because we stayed late that night. And we rode all these roller coasters. Stuff. People are coming up to him like Chandler. Hey! Yeah. <laughs> like, he was like a celebrity. And Kazam's I'm like, totally underrated, bro. Uh, <laughs> it was like unbelievable. So I wanted to punish him, and right. he totally owned the moment. You totally redeemed yourself, Man. sweet Chandler. Anyway, and he tossed you five That's bucks. Awesome. And says, "Go get you something." Nice to the gift shop. <laughs> so, so I have a question. So, okay, so our showbiz week, and we're hanging out, and like all this stuff, it, it got me thinking. I was looking through table topics actually uh, a couple days ago, and it, I came across this one card that caught my eye in light of our our collective week. Um, which celebrity would you like to spend the afternoon with? I, I thought that would be interesting. Uh, what celebrity? You know, we can't say Fallon. He's off the table. Living, living. Which which living celebrity would you like to spend the afternoon with? I've, I've said, I think I may have mentioned this before. I think I would choose Bill Murray. Yeah. Oh. Just to see what happens. Well, well, be, because I think not only am I a huge fan of pretty much everything he's ever done, like, and I feel like he's cross generational. Like, he was probably one of my dad's favorite actors, too. You know, mm-hmm. like, my, my dad's a huge Caddyshack fan and, and loves all of Bill Murray stuff. And I still love Bill Murray stuff. But Offset, and I love Wes Anderson movies, you know, uh, he's one of my favorite filmmakers, but I feel like Offset, Bill Murray, is, seems like the the most random, cool dude that likes just messing with people in, like, non-malicious ways. And to me, that's the coolest thing ever. Huh. Well, like, he, you know, we posted a couple things on the website in the last month where he, um... He was in Savannah recently, and I don't know if he's filming a movie there or just kind of wandering around, but he saw people taking engagement photos just on the side of the the street on like a stoop, and it was, you know, a pedestrian street. So he just stood behind the photographer and started trying to make them laugh as like a crowd gathered, and then he interjected himself into the engagement photos. (laughs) But like me and and Tyler were having this conversation because it was was the, the same day that there was some obtrusive – it might have been we, – we, me and Tyler were going back and forth about uh, whether we wanted to cover this idea of – it was the day that Louis C.K. had uh, had petitioned Twitter users to attempt to convince TMZ to take down this you know really exploitive cell phone footage of the wreckage that uh, injured Tracy Morgan and killed right. uh, 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 another comedian he was with and injured all these people. And we're talking about sort of the, 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 the culture of wanting to get into celebrity lives and how what Bill Murray's doing, like interjecting himself. He, he gave a toast at a random wedding the other day, you know, <laughs> that he just kind of put himself into. Bill Murray's turning that on its head where, you know, we live in a culture that is so fascinated with trying to get into the private lives of celebrity that for, for, for reasons that remain dark and, and probably misunderstood – um, Bill Murray's turning that on his head and is interjecting himself into the lives of ordinary people just to see what the reaction will be. And I think he's a, a brilliant dude. 
And uh, I would love to spend an afternoon with that guy. Mine would be somebody from SNL because I would really like to see if I could hang. Um, I think Taron Killam would be really fun. Bobby Moynihan. So when you say hang, you would your goal for the day is just to sort of have a, like a sort of battle of wits with them. Not a, like a battle, but I just want to see like, am I that funny? <laughs> like, could I like could I be as like could I make an SNL person laugh? Because to me, that's the pinnacle of funny. And I would like to really hang out with them and see if we could like get riff in on like a character. And then we're like uh, doing a voice and then. And probably mixed into the show and they're like hey why don't you come and be on the show uh, you know i don't know how it would happen but it would be something like that yeah as far as i understand it you can either go to groundlings and do that whole route or you can just hang dedicate out dedicate your life to the craft of improv and comedy yeah. or, or you can just one of these guys get a good a hypothetical scenario well there, there's a third route you can stand in line uh, for the tapings of, of the show and work the crowd. Right. And they and could catch see, you. They could notice you that way. See, like, that boy, works that, all the time. That That's how Bill Murray actually got on. <laughs> that guy's doing some great character sketches. I really like it. It's a pretty solid Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation he's doing in the, in the line. He's you on. just do all you do like De Niro, Schwarzenegger, yeah, just the generic ones. Just, yeah, the really all the just the silly lines. Yeah, I think it'd be it would probably be somebody from SNL. Well, who would you choose, Cameron? Um, you know, one of my because you're an athlete guy, right? Yeah, but I wouldn't. But one of my because I think I think athletes, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I turned a twelve year old kid around them, but they don't fascinate me as people. Yeah. I think one of the interesting things, like when you meet like leaders, you know, they're kind of like on. You know, they like they're in their leader mode. And one of my favorite things to do is like develop, spend enough time with somebody that that they're not on anymore. You get to really see the real them, mm-hmm. and sometimes. The on is the real them, yeah, and it's not put on. And sometimes they really do have, like you said, Conan. I mean, there's like yeah. a on and an off switch. Yeah, like I would be fascinated with Will Ferrell spending time yeah. with Will Ferrell enough to I, see if if there's this dark underbelly to him. You know, see, I, have, I I was gonna pick him, but I've heard enough about him to know that like he really is a very quiet, subdued yeah. man. That yeah. I don't think a whole day would be particularly fun, but I don't want him to be on. I just want it to right. be like really hanging but, out. But I think that part of him is fascinating. The real, like, no, you don't have to put on the clown face and make everybody laugh. But like, you know, genuinely just get to know the real person. I think that would be fascinating. Will Ferrell, I, I also would be fascinated to spend time with and in conversation with Louis C.K., yeah. but I almost don't feel like he's on. I feel like kind of it would be like what we know he's of Louis C.K. Real. all day. That's, his, yeah. that's sort of a shit. So I think yeah. the kind of like, if I could spend time with somebody, it would be Will Ferrell just to see where it goes. Isn't it funny you, you, we all pick you, people that generally just make us laugh? Huh. Like people people that are just kind of comical or fun. Interesting. I don't know if there's anything to that, but I just... Well, nobody... we want to have a fun day. You don't want to like be with like, you know, Stephen uh, Hawking. Oh, yeah. Like, oh, tell me about like the mysteries of the universe. Boring. <laughs> <laughs> how, how do we get here? When will it end? Yeah. yeah where is this? Nah. I'd, I'd, <laughs> rather, I'd rather... S- Let's go, let's go photobomb some people taking pictures. All right. Well, we need to keep things moving. Uh, stay tuned. Up next, Francis Chan. Listening to My Adidas by Run DMC. But you already knew that. This week's interview segment is brought to you by GoDaddy.com, where you can find the right domain name for your business. Uh, get this there's hundreds of new domain names now available, including um, .photography or .menu and .club. 
You can create your new website with GoDaddy's easy-to-use website builder and run your business anytime, anywhere with Microsoft Office 365 from GoDaddy and get more done. Relevant Podcast listeners, you have a special deal. You can go visit GoDaddy.com and enter promo code RELEVANT30 to save 30% on your order. See the website for details. Again, that's GoDaddy.com, exclusive promo code RELEVANT30 to save 30%. Francis Chan is a best-selling author and speaker. He might be best known for his uh, famous book, Crazy Love, though he's written a number of others as well. He's the former pastor of Cornerstone Community Church in California, a church he and his wife started back in 1994. Today, he speaks at conferences all over the country. He spent time in Asia. He started a house church. And he's finishing up a new book that he's actually self-publishing We recently spoke to him for an article you'll find in the upcoming September issue of Relevant. Subscribe now. You'll get it. But the conversation covered so much territory, we wanted to bring you a portion that had really nothing to do with the upcoming mag piece. Talking to our very own Tyler Huckabee, here is Francis Chan. For the past three years now, what have you been up to? Because we haven't, uh, we at Relevant haven't heard much from your corner. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, and, and it's and it's somewhat uh, intentional, uh, where I've just been trying to get less and less uh, public and doing more and more just discipleship and digging deep into people, and um, it's, it's just focusing less on the masses and really digging deeper into relationships out here. And so, um, yeah, I've planted a couple of churches, but they're, they're house gatherings, and um, been discipling guys in the Bayview, Hunters Point area, which is kind of the inner city of San Francisco, I guess. Gosh, that's been primarily my focus, and then writing this book with my wife for the last few months. Was there a specific instance that brought on this desire to uh, focus more on your own personal connections and discipleship, or was it a sort of a growing thing? Yeah, some of it was just, um, you know, a lot of my teaching in the past really went to that same circle of, I don't know, five million believers in America that go to all the conferences, read all the books, and um, do the podcasts. It, It just seems like there's such a tremendous amount of resource that's all given to the same group of people and almost a competition for them. And, mm-hmm. um, and so I just thought, you know what, I, I want to focus on groups that people aren't clamoring for. Um, and so I just thought I, I need to get to some of the people that are more unreached and uh, kind of started with the inner city crowd and, and then also with what I learned from the past, I just thought, you know, I, I think I want to try to spend more time making disciples rather than just preaching messages to them. Um, because I saw, eventually, just looking at the outcome of that, making people just overly dependent on on me rather than really knowing how to teach the scriptures to someone else and share the gospel, um, just focusing more on a reproducible model. How has that panned out for you? Has it been uh, has it been easier than you thought it would be, or, or more difficult? Um, gosh, that's a great question. Some things have been way more difficult than I thought, and other things have been way better than I expected. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't realize. Like, you know, it's almost like you go through a withdrawals 
when you're used to like a ton of attention or something. I, I don't even know what you really call it, but it's almost like, and, and it's it's all flesh. It's all bad stuff. So it's good. I, it wasn't like oh, I'm not effective for the kingdom. I mean, there's some of that. But I guess what was hard was, you know, everyone just kind of looks at you like, what are you doing? <laughs> and why are you spending all your time with that small group of guys? And, um, you could be talking to thousands of people right now. And yet you're knocking on doors, talking to people who don't really want to talk to you. And <laughs> it does get hard. There are days you go home and you go, man, no one really wants to listen to this message. Um, but meanwhile, I have, you know, stacks of speaking requests from that same group of whatever 5 million people that, you know, want to hear from me after they've heard from Keller and Driscoll and Platt, Warren and Heibel, you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so there's that group and, uh, but it's, it is always hard thinking, gosh, there's people that actually want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> Why am I begging these people to listen to the gospel and, uh, and just realizing, gosh, I have no control over the salvation of these people. I just have to, keep presenting the gospel and so it's it's just hard you know you get into people's lives you fall in love with them and and then see them walk away from the lord that's been really painful whereas in the big church um it's not as noticeable because there'll always be a crowd there on sunday and so you don't feel like you've lost that much the things that have been good are i've been really blown away by some of the guys that i'm discipling and the guys that they are discipling. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's exactly what I thought could happen, but it still surprised me when it did. Just seeing life change happen so, so quickly in the, the people who really do have the spirit in them. And now they're leaders and churches are reproducing themselves, and I'm thrilled about that. That was Francis Chan. Stay tuned. Up next, The War on Drugs. Listening to Acts of Man by Midlake. The War on Drugs is an indie rock band from Philadelphia, founded by collaborators Adam Granducio and Kurt Vile back in 2005. The War on Drugs released their debut studio album, Wagon Wheel Blues, in 2008. Vile departed shortly after its release to focus on his solo career. And then the band's second studio album, Slave Ambient, was released in 2011 to critical acclaim and extensive touring. A third album, Lost in the Dream, was released in March this year. It's getting a ton of critical acclaim, including by our own uh, editorial team. It's a great album. Uh, The band is featured in the current issue of Relevant. It's available on newsstands nationwide, or you can get the tablet edition in the iTunes newsstand or Google Play Store Android tablet users. It's uh, it's a great feature. You want to check it out. Talking to our very own Tyler Huckabee. Here is The War on Drugs. 
about the album itself a little bit whenever people write about about war on drugs there's a lot of like it sounds like dylan or it sounds like springsteen it sounds like these like the folk musicians like america's folk musicians is that something that you like set out to do you're like i want to write like a new kind of folk album is that in the back of your mind when you're writing this stuff not really i guess i just try to work on songs the way i like to work on them. like i you know i write a lot of stuff on the piano or the acoustic guitar um, as much as I write stuff with a sampler, you know? Um, that's just the kind of music I like, you know? Like, I'm not trying to be something like something, you know? Like, I'm not like, oh, I want this band to be a cross between Pavement, the third Velvet Underground record, uh, a little bit <laughs> of a Coleman Hot, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I never thought like that. I was just like, I like work, I like writing songs, and this is kind of the way I write them, but then as I've grown up, as I've gotten older, now I've been like a, you know, like a home recordist now for like 15 years, so. I also love the side of production and like gear and like recording and techniques and getting weird, arriving at strange sounds. And so that's just like, it's just like a natural progression of like trying to write songs that you think are timeless, classic, just like the guys you grew up listening to, but also just trying to have fun with it and just play to play to your, my strengths and people in the band's strengths, you know, as musicians and collaborators. So it's kind of like a conscious thing, but I mean, It'd be stupid if I said that I didn't ever listen to Dylan. You know what I mean? Sure. Obviously, yeah, yeah. Like, my favorite. But it's not like a. I'm not trying to do anything like that. I guess it's just much. I'm just trying to do red songs the way they come most naturally. You know, which is kind of in that in that style. It's just kind of the, all the classic albums that I kind of grew up grew up with. But I tried in, in the past to have a band or be in a band that was like more of a certain kind of thing. Um, but it just never felt right. And then once I started tapping into the part of me that felt like I'd figured out how to just write whatever comes naturally, then I felt like I was kind of getting a lot more enjoyment from making music. When it all breaks down and we run away, standing in the wake of our pain, and we stare straight into nothing, but we call it all. This is probably like the first album where people people have heard of the war on drugs and there's a little bit of anticipation or at least some expectation behind it. Do you feel like there's pressure? Is it easier to be a little more nervous about what reception is going to be like? There was at first, like when I was making it, there was a lot of uh, self-doubt and stress. But now that it's done and like it's out in the world and I've got a little bit of response from it, I'm not too worried about it. And also because we've been playing the songs live now, like practicing a lot. Yeah. And I'm seeing how well they're translating and what they're sounding like with the full band. And it's really just exciting to me. Before I was overly anxious about everything, but now I'm overly anxious because I really want to just go out and just start playing. You know, I was mostly concerned. The expectations were mostly just wanting to live up to whatever high standards people had because, you know, it's rare, I think, nowadays that people kind of have high standards for a band to like release a record you know what I mean like not every band has the 
the vibe around it that like the whole album is something that we're really looking forward to, you know? Yeah. And that's a pretty special thing, so I kind of wanted to just make sure that I that I uh, respected that kind of place that we were in. And I wanted to just make something that I thought was really, really a step above what we've done before. And also kind of was, you know, definitely a record for for our fans in a way and see how we kind of grew as a band. And so it was definitely a lot of pressure I was putting on myself, but I didn't really feel it from the outside. as much as I just felt like I wanted to just respect the whole conversation that me and the fans have been having now for, you know, six, seven years or something. Feel the way that the wild wind blows to the room like an Just don't be the same anymore That might as well be wrong I'm in my finest hour Can I be more Than just a fool It always gets so hard To see You said that one of the themes or, or one of the things that the album is about is, is the creative process and finding inspiration. Uh, what are some of the other things that you think, some of the other themes of the album? Yeah, I've been thinking about like your your purpose in life, thinking about happiness, what it means to just be happy with yourself and trying to get to the point where you can just, just be, you know what I mean? Yeah. Trying to find that, not necessarily, there's no answers there, but trying to get to that, that point of living. I think, you know, friendships and like camaraderie and things like brotherhood and friends getting you through through hard times and and you know hard times themselves are a theme. Confusion and feeling dis- disconnected from yourself or society, you know, everyone around you. Whenever you take something that you love, like making music, and you turn it into a, a job or a career, like what you've done, sometimes the joy or the fun can go out of it. Is that something that you wrestle with? Yeah. I mean, this record, I think, was mostly about well, a lot of things, but I think that was kind of the heart of a lot of it was like, all of a sudden, you know, how do you find inspiration when it's not readily available? You know, like, how do you tap into something when it's not obvious? Um, yeah. It was tricky. It was just the first time that that was all I had to do. It was like my job was to make make a record, and and on top of that, dealing with like you know how I had set the bar pretty high just for myself, and just have to I guess start getting to the point where you're trusting your instincts, like without constantly second guessing yourself. But it is difficult. That was the War on Drugs. Make sure to check out their great new album, Lost in the Dream, wherever music is sold. of melanin I tip my hat to the colorful arrangement cause I see the beauty in the tones of our skin I 
You're listening to Colored People by DC Talk. <laughs> so, in keeping that was an Eddie pick. Yeah. Want to talk about? Want to talk about? Never gets old. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> never gets old or more politically correct. <laughs> so, in keeping with the hodgepodge, bizarre nature of what we promised you this podcast to be. Uh, we are now coming uh, to a segment which would normally be feedback, uh, we, which we recorded correctly yesterday. Um, and uh, so it was probably the greatest segment we've ever recorded. It was, <laughs> it was award winning. It was on award- fire. Yeah, um, but you know, because of uh, technical difficulties, we're now the next day. Uh, gonna record it again, but Eddie's not here. Shauna's not here. It's, uh, it's Chad's not here. It's Jesse, Tyler Huckabee, our managing editor, and myself uh, doing what normally would have been feedback. But because we didn't have slices either, I was like, guys, um, maybe you could bring a couple of uh, items that are out there, the buzz, the yeah. scuttlebutt, and uh, we yeah. could kind of fuse it to one kind of mega segment called Slices Feedback. <laughs> called the Net Scuttlebutt. <laughs> the Net Scuttlebutt. The water, the water cooler chatter. <laughs> What's going on out there? <laughs> so our, I call it t- I, I pitch team talk, but you guys <laughs> team talk. kids corner. Yeah, and also people may know, notice that Jesse sounds a little different. He is recording from a different location using different equipment. Uh, the the quote unquote equipment being um, iPhone earbuds. So <laughs> <laughs> from like two iPhones ago as well. <laughs> I didn't even bring my latest one. By the way, the latest iPod had did they just set out to make the most uncomfortable earbud possible? Are you serious? It's I like, like this it. reverse like yeah, horizontal teardrop. Like my That's... ears are literally throbbing after like ten minutes in those things. I think I think there's something wrong with your ears, yeah, man. I'm you, a fan. You have a birth defect ear canal. No, no. I, I think they had it fine when they were just little circles. And now, the, the, you know, it looks they're, they're, they're like little jet engines with yeah. two holes in them. It, it just it makes no sense, and they're very painful. It makes disagree, <laughs> disagree. Now, when I it used to be when I'd go for a jog with those old iPhone earbuds, they'd be falling out all over the place. I'd be tripping. I fell on my face when they'd get tangled in my feet. Now, now even a beast like me who runs it. Breathtaking speeds can they stay right in there, right where they need to be? If you don't mind dire pain, if you don't mind feeling like your head's going to explode, then I well, I don't go to work out to be comfortable, Jesse. (laughs) (laughs) I leave it all out there. Pain just makes me stronger. So before we get into you know everybody's feedback from last week, uh, what what's the scuttlebutt? What's the team talk? What's the buzz? What's the internet talking about today? Soccer. Kids are loving the soccer. Yeah, that's true. Fo- football now, Cameron. At the you know, because we we uh, we're recording this uh, a little behind the scenes on a Thursday, right? Shortly after. Okay, let me back up for a second. I, I've always been sort of a soccer hater myself. Yeah. Okay, and, and not people. I don't hate people that play soccer. It's just the game itself. Right. It's, if you can have a one to nothing blowout, that's boring. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it, it, like somehow, so we're recording this on Thursday after the USA-Germany game, which which people were going nuts over. Right. Like there were offices closing or taking like special lunch breaks to watch this matchup. Right. And, and I had it on the background on mute because there's really no need for commentary. Nothing really happens for the most and then, of the And then he runs around and yeah. here, uh, that guy's running. Yeah. <laughs> oh, look, here comes another soccer player running. 
Uh, and then and he, and he shoots. Oh, he shoots it. He kicks into the stands. Oh, oh my gosh. Someone is horrifically injured. Look how he's rolling on the ground. Oh, no, this is awful. Oh, that looks really bad. Oh, you know what? He's fine. He's running. He's acting. <laughs> so, so USA, spoiler alert, USA lost the game, but for some reason, America, we're still celebrating because World Cup, there are scenarios where losing by a point is, is really good or something. No, no, no. It's like the NFL wild card playoff spot. Right. You know, you can you can lose your game, which drops you back into a tie with four other teams, and there are various tiebreakers that then you could seriously lose your final game of the season and still make the wild card playoff spot. It's the exact but, but same diff- thing. But, but the difference is that's not a tournament. Like this is like a tournament. You know, I don't feel like losing yeah. in a tournament. Like if the NC, if you lost in an NCAA tournament, I it, all that to say, it's 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 confusing. No, it's not. And it, it, the, like the other day, w- America tied. Right. And, and people are going nuts. Mo- I didn't, most sports won't even have, that's not even an option to tie. Well, soccer's, I don't you know, know, I'm just going to put this out there. Soccer's different than other sports. Look at that. It's a but unique it, thing. In, in fear, and, if, and if America is good at anything, it's turning losses into a win. So I think this is sort of, I think this still fits into our national brand. Yeah. And, and I want to, we, we have a couple of things we need to talk about in a clip we're going to play because that's been making the rounds online. But before that, real quick, did you guys watch the game tele- on, on television at all? Yeah. I, I had it here. We shut down the office. We had a two and a half hour lunch. We ordered, I ordered pizza for the staff. They hung American flags and everybody watched soccer. The, the did, national did office guys- was likewise riveted to the game. Mine, I, I watched. I was the- I was riveted to Candy Crush. I I was sitting I was sitting in the love sack, the big old bean bag love sack. I was sitting in the and I was uh, hanging out with people playing Candy Crush. That's what. And, I was and what what a thrilling one zero matchup. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> down to okay. the wire. But 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 this is this is the one thing that's annoyed me about World Cup and, and primetime TV in general lately. Those Trivago commercials. Have you guys seen these? They're for some oh. travel website, Travago. No, 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 no. What is it? Cameron, have you seen the Travago commercials? I've heard of it, and I don't recall what you're talking about. Okay, it's a commercial for this travel site, and they have this guy. His dress shirt should be... It's probably not going to make sense having not seen the commercials. His dress shirt is but unbuttoned far too low without an undershirt. Okay. And it, it totally detaches me from the whole commercial. A Tyler Huckabee move. Yeah. <laughs> Tyler, but you're not on TV advertising a travel website. Oh, I would do. I would do that. It's very unsettling. <laughs> okay, and it totally distracts. So, but you're saying it appeals to the soccer fans? I, I apparently so. Right. I mean, they're spending a lot of money to put those commercials on television. So you're saying all soccer fans uh, are the type of people who like to unbutton their shirts a little too low. Well, let me ask you this. It's when is the last European. time you've seen a, 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 a celebration in a sport happen? When, when is the last time you've seen a game in another sport happen where immediately after all the guys start taking their shirts off? That only happens in soccer. <laughs> That's valid. That's valid. Or, or Top Gun volleyball matches. <laughs> Top Gun, John Tesh and Yanni volleyball matches. Yeah. So, so anyway, before the game, a lot of people were getting excited to, to watch the Germany-USA matchup. And there's a clip that was circulating online. We posted on Relevant that morning on the website that Will Ferrell had, he crashed a fan party of Americans in Brazil the night before the game. All right. Great. This is the Great. clip. Here it is. Joe 
If that sounds like a lot more people than it is. It's it's 35 people. But they are going bananas. I would. And now there's some safari-looking man. That's that's Teddy Roosevelt, whose presence in the video is unexplained. It's a man dressed as Teddy Roosevelt. nearly as epic as you put, made it out to be. But well, I, I, I just said it was a funny clip. I mean, yeah, okay. I don't know that that's the centerpiece of our segment. <laughs> this is, I'm going on no prep time here. <laughs> <laughs> we just had Will Ferrell on the show, I and you don't sm- think that I didn't was... Even, I didn't even smile. I was just what like, I was waiting for him to actually get funny. He just walked out there kind of drunk and said, I'm going to bite people. I'm, I'm did, your player. He did say he was going to bite every German player. That's a pretty epic promise to make. I guess. Yeah. Under Underwhelmed. Yeah, I expected uh, more. It's hard. It's, it's not as easy as it looks. I'll let Will Ferrell know that he's disappointed you. <laughs> I didn't produce the video. I'm just saying, on no notice, that's what came to mind. <laughs> that was... Plus, on literally a five-minute phone call. <laughs> I'll it's, hard, know. it's hard to impress somebody who's not impressed by soccer, though. Maybe if you were more into soccer, you would have been more into it. I mean, it would have been epic to be there, you know, but... You know who else wasn't impressed by soccer? Did you guys see... Did you guys see Ann Coulter's piece that she published? Uh, it, well, she published it today on Thursday about her reasons for disliking soccer. Or the, no, why soccer is to blame for America's moral decline, yeah, to use her exact e- language. Every country that is a soccer country is in moral decline. Has experienced moral decline. Yeah. And, and now it's coming to America. And, and we are also about to, we're on the verge of experiencing moral decline. And, and I think her argument is we... Uh, we because there's no shared blame, it makes it easier to uh, it, it kind of fits into the pandering that our generation is going through the entitlement theory. Nobody can be blamed for victory or for losses, so everybody gets a gold star and gets to go home. Which, as somebody who grew up playing soccer, I take some serious issues with. Yeah, I mean, there, there's a line in here that says, In soccer, blame is dispersed and almost no one scores anyway. There are no heroes, no losers, no accountability. No fragile self-esteem bruised. I played one soccer game, and my self-esteem was severely bruised. I was a loser, and everyone blamed me for the loss. What happened? 
I was at one of Dana, my wife played soccer in high school and she played in like an adult co-ed league. And I used to just go to hang out and watch the games. And I had no desire to ever attempt this sport. And their goalie didn't show up. And goalie seems like an easy position. No, it does does not. Well, let me say this. Indoor, the net is very small. Okay. Okay. And and I say easy because it doesn't involve running and I'm wearing jeans. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I'm in street clothes. And I had just eaten a lot because they have a sports bar at the place. So I'm eating like chicken fingers and just hanging out in like street clothes. And, and so, so they're like, Oh, you need to go. We need somebody. We're going to forfeit. So, so they, they knew I was the one spectator from their side. So, so I go in there the first half. I had eight goals scored on me. Oh my goodness. Eight, eight goals. <laughs> they, they pulled me and just said, just run in the field. We'd rather you not have a goalie. What? <laughs> they just rather play an open net. That's how bad I was. I'm telling you, those guys kick the ball super hard, <laughs> like right at you. And I had the glut. Right, they, they, right at you. You're standing there those, trying like, to big bl- oven mitts. Right. And, but all the, I mean, they lit me up. Like, you know, they, they were laughing because I was like diving the wrong. I wasn't even, I wouldn't even call it a zoom diving. I was just trying to prevent the goal, ball from going in the goal without, without taking one directly to the face, which th- I think they were just aiming for after a while. <laughs> <laughs> like they saw the look of terror and, and in not only terror, but like, I'm trying to like, I don't even know where to look. Do I look at the ball? Do I look at their eyes? They know, you know, they're just toying with me out there. <laughs> they smell fear. That's they, what they, they smell do. fear and, and, and they, they, you know, exploited it. But I will say that Ann Coulter is completely wrong because it, it is impossible not to feel like an idiot and have people laugh at you and, and not feel like that, that, that soccer you, blame doesn't go around. Blow. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I'm, a, I was I'm a, a proud American and a, and a moral one at that. And soccer humbled me that evening. Interesting. I was I was a goalie. I mean, I was quite young. My my dad was the coach of the team, and he put me in at goalie. Which which uh, there might have been a little favoritism there because I was not a I was not a very good goalie. I'm not very good at a whole lot of sports, but uh, but I did make one great save. I I, I stopped I stopped the goal, caught the ball, went to kick it, kicked it up over my head into the goal behind me <gasps> and scored a point for the other team. No. And if, if that doesn't bruise your ego and Coulter, then you have no ego to be bruised. So, so you bicycle kicked it into your I own goal. I bicycle kicked it into my own goal. I remember that to this day. That was like 20 years ago. That's- Can I be honest? That sounds pretty difficult. So at least you did something with a high level of difficulty. I, I accomplished a pretty incredible feat and that my ability to do that has not served me very well in life since then you think i would be able to turn that into something else parkour or something like that well yeah i'm not very good at parkour i've never really tried parkour maybe you should maybe i should maybe i'm a i i'm probably a prodigy what you guys don't know is i'm actually out practicing my parkour skills right now so so cameron let me ask you after after sitting and watching the germany usa game yeah are you planning on committing any more time to Team USA or the World Cup or shutting down the office to watching more games? Or do you kind of feel like I did that we've been had? Oh, no, no. I Listen, I didn't do it for me. I did it for my team. I mean, they, they were the staff was really into it. And like girls, guys, everybody was totally engaged. So uh, when I came in to work on Monday, we were talking about the the kind of last, you know, the game the night before. And, and they're like, so on Thursday, are, um, are we going to have the game on? And I was like, sure, let's do it. So let's make it a party. So, you know, if it happens again, great. It, it wasn't for me, but 
I like hanging out with everyone. So yeah. hide your candy crush. Go. Uh, you know, I, I, I cleared two levels. I was good. Yeah. <laughs> so so it was more eventful than the game, considering they only scored one goal. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. All right. I wish there was more biting. <laughs> Like that one game, someone a dude bit a dude. Right, I know. Like if if that was if there was more, but if you could tell me three people are going to get bit during the game, I watched the whole thing. <laughs> and for every bite, like, one goal got taken away from the other team. I would pay attention. <laughs> I'm just saying, you want to get an American audience, <laughs> throw some biting in there. How would you handle that, Ann Coulter? What do you say now? <laughs> All right, so, okay, it's time for your feedback. Last week, we got talking about uh, Jesse and his uh, pension for justice. And we thought it's only a matter of, t- matter of time. It, not his pension for justice, but like his, and he's so enamored with people who, you know, do uh, things like Jungle Bird does, you know, kind of a spectacle, uh, f- you know, kind of for the greater good. And so we thought it's only a matter of time before something's just, the the switch in Jesse flips and he crosses the line from <laughs> spectator to participant, and um and but we thought it's going to be for a good reason. So we asked you last week, what is going to be the thing that tips Jesse over the edge where he stops talking about these um, odd vigilante uh, justice people and becomes one himself. You guys went over to the podcast episode page at relevantmagazine.com. You p- tweeted us at, at relevant podcast and uh, post on our Facebook page. Here are a few of our favorites. Well, speaking speaking of my appreciation for a well-timed bite <laughs> on the soccer field, David Beltran said that, uh, you know, with that recent biting controversy, I will be uh, up in arms over controversy and di- discrimination over cannibals. I think he means biters, um, but whatever he says. And I will travel to Brazil to dress up as a shark and rush the field. Uh, and, and pretend to feast on players as as a, a show of how much I think biting should be a part of the game. Which, if I could travel to Brazil, right, then I, I would not be opposed to that strategy. You know, you can travel to Brazil. Well, again, here's here's the other thing. Some things that's that take a lot of effort, right? You know, I, I'm probably going to lose interest before it gets to that. Like on a plane, <laughs> on the plane to Brazil, I'm like, why am I doing this again? It kind of has to be of the moment, you know. <laughs> like, 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 buying a shark. If if I had like a soccer team in my area and I could just be like, dude, I'm going to drive there and mess around in their game, maybe. But uh-huh. Brazil's a long way from the United States, right? It is. That's true. It's a lot of time to get distracted by things. Yeah, you got the whole flight with all those SkyMall catalogs. You. Yeah. The internet, yeah. There's a lot of stuff out there. Scuttlebutt yeah. happening. <laughs> the buzz. You're, you're scuttlebutt you're missing out on because it's not happening on the plane. The teen talk, yeah. <laughs> I like uh, Brian Hendra on the, on the podcast page points out, and I think it's probably true. It, Jesse, when you snap, it'll be, some, it'll be a cryptozoological snap. Um, what, he says, one day while watching any of thousands of cryptozoology shows on television, Jesse will be tired of their, of their lackluster effort of proving the existence of these wonderful creatures. He will somehow grab the attention of the producers in order for them to be convinced to have a live television show in which he will dr- then dress up in the greatest Yeti costume of all time so he can then appear on live television to raise awareness of these great treasures. A, that's a great idea. B, I think you could probably talk television producers into going for it. But Brian's last point is one that 
I think we need to discuss maybe while Eddie's not in the building because he says, does anyone else think that Eddie is studying Jesse? It seems like he is writing a thesis or dissertation and Jesse is his test subject. It, it makes and it, I have noticed this. I have too. It makes and, us all and, very uncomfortable. And, and now Eddie's not on the show so I can say this. It creeps me out, guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I, I was, I was going to even talk to you guys offline. Can somebody say something to him? <laughs> Does he do this to everyone? No. Eddie yeah, has, he, to my knowledge, zero observations about my life or behavior or actions. Same with you, Cameron. He comments, Jesse, on the things you do and say every single episode. Yep. And he's fascinated with Shauna, too. But he it's out of respect and uh, with Shauna. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Um, the, yeah. the fascination with Jesse is more anthropological. <laughs> <laughs> Does it make you feel like a rat in a cage, Jesse? It does. You know, I, I, I'm not used to being psychoanalyzed under this sort of microscope. I don't know what he's looking I don't know what – and, and part of me is – it's hard to believe it's just curiosity. Right, right. Like, what's the I end know, game here? What's the end game? You he know? still seems – he seems baffled by it, too. It seems like he's trying to – it seems like he does have a few theses that he's trying to work out, but none of them quite fit. right. Yeah, as soon as he thinks he's he's figuring something out, you throw him a curveball. That's exactly what it is. Just you keep him on his toes. Yeah. Well, you know that, <laughs> that that that's that's my ultimate goal is to not let him get the satisfaction of doing what he's trying to do. <laughs> right. Because and I don't just, know what his in game is. He, he wants to put you in a box. There's not a box out there for you, Jesse. Thank you. That's what everybody else is trying to do with these comments as well. I think there, everybody's everybody's gotten. There's some pretty long stories really on here long, about your breakdown, Jesse. Elaborate. There's falcons. There's flying foxes. There's jungle birds. There's lots of jungle birds. There's, there's all the past references get woven into these tapestries of theories. Um, if you guys want to check them out, head over to the podcast episode page and you can see them for yourself. Uh, that'll do it for last week's feedback. It's time for this week's editorial question of the week. Okay, so we were just just now talking about soccer and and the fact that you know, yeah, everybody's like swept up in all of a sudden soccer fever. It seems like, and it's like there's some of us who just haven't quite clicked, and we we're trying, we're trying, but it just hasn't like we just kind of don't quite get it the way that everybody else seems to get it. But we have a theory. There's not. It's not just. It's just not just soccer. There's probably a lot of things out there that like, quote unquote, everyone likes or all the cool kids like it. And you just don't quite get it or like it the way you're supposed to. Um, We want to know what that is. So this week's question of the week is, what's the thing that everybody likes is popular that you just don't get or like? It's like it's like when a Radiohead song comes on. Yeah, like, yeah, (laughs) yeah. It's like, I have to pretend I like this dark, weird, you know, sounds that are coming out. Right. Because I don't want to be judged for not liking Radiohead. Radiohead, soccer. What's the thing that? Yeah, it just. What would it be for you guys? What would be? What would be your answer? Well, I've already told you guys I'm not a big fan of Terrence Malick movies, and everyone's all into those. That, that, that's true. That's true. Real snores. <laughs> uh, for me, you know, Two and a Half Men. <laughs> what? But, 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 <laughs> you don't like doing that? Get out of town! <laughs> Get off the podcast! I, I thought I knew you. <laughs> you just shattered my entire universe. Get, get, okay, here, I'm going to throw one out there. All right, artisan food. Artisan food. Because everyone, I go to. You, you ever go to like a nice restaurant yeah. or some hip little cafe or something? Yeah. And and it could be. Some cool like grass fed burger thing right. or like uh, 
some farm to table baked yeah. carrot cake or whatever. Oh, right. Uh, you know? Yeah. And everyone, everyone, everyone around town, when one of these opens up, everyone out of town's, oh, we got to go check it out. Everyone's talking about it, you know? And yeah. there's like a line and everything. Right. You go in there and everyone's acting like it's the greatest thing they've ever eaten. Let's be honest here. If, if you could give me whatever that is, like a five guys burger and fries or, or a slice of average pizza, I'm probably going to go with the latter. Huh. Wow. I, I, I feel that surprises like there's a me, lot Jesse. of hype around that stuff. Huh? That surprises me. I, I like, I like, yeah, that's fine. I mean, I like good food. I mean, I'm, I like good food too, but I feel like I, well, I don't want to, I don't, I'm not trying to project because maybe I just don't have a sophisticated enough palate. Okay. <laughs> that, that could, I, I'll concede that. Okay. But I feel like if there's like a blind taste test or stuff or something, some generic food from like a, 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 a casual dining place is going to win out in a lot of no, cases. No, uh, I don't know. Okay. All right. That's yours. That's fine. I, I We had a, the, the whole trendy restaurant thing, you know, like we had one open here in the neighborhood uh, recently and everybody's, it's from the restaurant tour of a really popular restaurant. And so everybody's like really excited about it. And it finally opened. It's just like a block and a half from our office lying around the building. And it's like always packed. And I went and I was so underwhelmed. And, and then I just like to, not to the point I'm going to talk trash about it, but like I, I had no desire to go back. Well, I had friends going. So I ended up going a second time again, so underwhelmed. And I did but, you leave hungry? Uh, no, not hungry. Just like, I have no desire to come back. And then like, but everybody's like, Oh, have you been? Oh, it's amazing. Oh, it's so amazing. And I'm kind of going, I wonder if everybody's actually having the same experience that I've had. They just can't admit it because then it seems like they don't quite unquote, you know, get it. That's exactly what, that is exactly my problem with it. Yeah. You know, it's like, I don't have a problem with a good meal. Right. But, but. I feel like some of those places, it's it's the idea of them is actually better than what they're serving. Yeah, sure. yeah, and no, I would sure. agree with some of them. I mean, there's some great artisan food and farm to table and all that stuff, but it's just the whole thing of like the hype machine. Like, oh, I have to like this, or else I'm not. I don't quite get it, or I'm like exactly. Yeah. I don't have a problem with them. I actually think it's a cool movement. You know, yeah, right. like it's a cool trend. It's the people. It's 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 that yeah that obligation to like it at. In all circumstances, yeah. And that, if you if you have a dissenting view, you are not of our caliber or taste or discernment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, that's kind of how soccer fans are. To be honest with you, that's true. That's we, true. It's, it's the best sport. It's the purest sport. And it's like, ah, give me basketball. That's like a one thirty to one twenty one blowout. You know, shootout. Yeah, you know? yeah exactly. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's actually exciting all the way through. Yeah. That that the, that the one point they scored didn't happen on accident. I mean, I'm gonna be honest with you. I I have, I woke up this morning excited, more excited about the NBA draft tonight than about oh, this. Not even, just not, it's not even close. Not even close. It's all I can think about. It's all I read about all week. It's all I, I mean. I just like I'm counting down the days. And I wake up this morning and everybody's wearing red, white, and blue, and I'm wearing blue and and silver and black because it's the magic colors. <laughs> like this is a huge day. Oh yeah, not for the reasons that you guys think it's a huge yeah. day. You know. <laughs> and the thing is, like, there are some people who like soccer for like a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's cool. Yeah. But it's the people that are just now being yeah. like, it's the greatest thing ever, yeah. but I just discovered it. No, no, no. See, I'm so, not, I can't no. go with you there because the national pride yeah. is at least fun. Okay, that's true. That's I, true. I appreciate I don't, I don't, that we're like not, all in the same place, cheering for the same team. Like, you don't, get, you don't get to do that very often. That's true. 
That's true. You're right. But but it's different. I mean, I think what I think more of the que- the spirit of the question of the week is yeah. along what Jesse was talking about, where it's like that thing that everybody who's supposed to have good taste or whatever likes and you just don't quite connect with it. And so yeah. maybe it's soccer in general, not necessarily this World Cup experience. Maybe it's right. soccer. That's fair. You know? That's fair. Um, or like I would even, for me, uh, uh, again, I... I I don't care what people's perception. I'm not. I never really liked House of Cards. I gave it a shot. I just don't really like it. I'm not saying it's not good. I just don't like it, and I I don't feel like I should feel shame for not liking. It. Well, hey, I'll back you up on this one on this aspect of it. Like everybody says, House of Cards is great. I tried to watch it. Watched one or two episodes. Didn't connect with it. So I I just forgot to go back to it. Mentioned that you know at some point somebody's like oh no, no you got to go back it's like it all, it gets really good soon and so I went back and watched you know months months later another two three episodes again didn't quite connect with it and just forget to watch it I'm with you Jesse I don't think it's a bad show and I don't and I'm not saying it doesn't maybe get great but it's yeah. just like it hasn't grabbed me and I'm probably five episodes in you know so it's yeah, like it, at this yeah. point it's like yeah I, either I'm 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 with you or I'm not you know. And Isn't I don't want to feel like what, what do you guys do with like, them? People say you got to keep watching, you got to keep watching. It's like, well, I don't really want to keep watching. Yeah, no, it. I don't have to keep watching. I decided <laughs> I don't like it. It's fine if you do, but I don't. I don't want to be looked down upon as some unsophisticated TV washer because I didn't like it. Yes, <laughs> I didn't. It's boring. It's boring. <laughs> I'm not well, buying that's my it. When people accent, say like, "Oh, have you gotten this part the yet? whole time?" It's totally oh. fake. Yeah. When you get to this part. Here's why you don't. Here's why you don't like it yet. You haven't gotten to episode six yet. In episode six yet, things go crazy, and it's like, well, maybe, but a good show shouldn't take six episodes for me to connect with. <laughs> That's actually true, yeah, right? Things go crazy. Episode one when I'm forty minutes in. <laughs> oh wait, wait, wait. Okay, but hold on, Devil's Advocate, Jesse. Okay. Um, how long did it take for Seinfeld to get good? An entire season was terrible. The first season. And then they started to figure out what they were going to become. And it becomes the best show of all time. Now, so, okay. See, you know, this is a little bit of a divergent topic because I do feel like the the contemporary era of television has that problem where, where we're not patient enough. Another another one, and and obviously I'm there. you'll find no bigger Seinfeld proponent but I totally agree with you. The, the early ones are haven't found their footing or their tone. The the other the other example, a recent one, is Parks and Rec. Parks and Rec. The whole first season yeah, yeah. is about a hole, is about a pit in the middle of town. That's right. Like, True. They True. never got True. out of that plot for an entire season, and and then they 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 cast new characters. They brought in uh, uh, Rob Lowe, and they 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 figured out their tone and what their you know, satire was, and they got off of that stupid subplot, but it took a whole year. Yeah. yeah. I think it's fair to give a show another season. Like, if you're not into that first season, let them try again with round two, second season. That's but, but, fair. But sitcoms are different, too, than one-hour dramas. That's what I'm saying. Okay, but so so you're saying we should have to wade through to, to hit episode six. I'm not, say, I'm not saying y- y- you, you should, but I'm saying... That you will know enough whether this is going to be something that will get to a place where you'll like it or not oh, by, 
by two episodes. I like don't. House of Cards, it doesn't I matter what disagree. direction. I, I'm going to disagree too because Seinfeld, there is no indication of the show it, it became in Breaking that first Bad, season. Same thing. Same thing. So Breaking Bad, they started Breaking, Bad, one of the Breaking Bad of all time, thinking it was going to be a dark comedy, a black comedy, which is why they cast Malcolm in the Middle's dad because they thought it was going to be a dark comedy. If you watch those early years of Breaking Bad, it's a totally different show, tone, yeah. everything. It's almost why. Like there's caricatures. It's almost like the police, you know, you watch the police on the wire or other cop shows and you watch the police, the, you know, DEA on Breaking Bad. It's like a caricature. It's because it was going to be like a, a dark comedy. And like they figured out, oh, we have one of the greatest dramatic actors, you know, (laughs) of all time uh, as our lead. We need to like capitalize on this. And they, they, they turned left. They just totally changed the show. Well, because the first four episodes of Breaking Bad, if you remember, they have their own pit, and it's the the getting rid of the body of Crazy Eight. Spoiler yeah. alert! Yeah, but that's four episodes right. that it takes. And in later years, a plot line like that would be one of seven in one episode. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So that's why I think you have to give you have to be willing to give a show time. Oh. I think if, I, I don't know. I, it's there not might about not be a simple rule here. Show time. It's about if you decide not to give it time. Oh, oh that's a good clarification. That is mm-hmm. good. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, no. Listen, I'm choosing that it's not really the thing that I want to devote my hours to. That doesn't make me less sophisticated because I'm exactly. not passionate about it. Okay. I, I don't. I don't have a problem that it takes long, and that for some people they like that. Okay. For some people, they the, the watching the growing pains and, and development of a show. Some people that's actually part of the enjoyable experience for me. For some shows, it isn't for me. I don't have a problem that it is for some people or that it even takes a while for writers to figure out what they're doing. I just don't want to be looked down upon because I don't want, I don't have the patience for it in a particular scenario. All right. All right. I think that's we figured fair. it out. That is fair. That's, that's, and that's the thing is like the people who are passionate about the show tend to, you know, look down their nose at the people who can't, don't get, or have, you know, haven't had their, the illumination to get it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, I, and, and he, the other thing is I feel like it works in reverse, too. I feel like if you give up on a show that was once great, you can get looked down upon, too, as like this look like Arrested Development. Like if you started watching the fourth season on Netflix and were like, this is not good anymore, that's okay without being like, oh, I can't believe you're, you're giving up on, uh, you know, uh, or not supporting a show that was so great. I feel like it's okay in the other way, too. Huh. Because I do feel like that happens a lot. Where you can call a spade a spade as a fan and say, and even say, with a ba- or a band too, and say, look, they're just not good anymore. I just don't like them. Hmm. And that you don't have to, yeah, because popular opinion, I guess, this is again what we're talking about. Yeah. The thing that the popular opinion says, this art matters, this is important, and if you know anything, you'll like it too. You're saying we need to have more ability to tap out. And say nope, not for me, and without exactly. being judged. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Because I feel like in, that happens a lot of times in music too, uh, not I, just on TV shows. I would say a lot in music. Yeah, yeah. It, but it, it, I, a lot of people are really quick to their first album was better, or I like the new stuff. But that, have you heard their old stuff? Their old stuff is great. Like that's a that's permitted. In at least pretentious music circles, isn't it? No, yeah, it's permitted. I think what I think I think it's when. I think it's more maybe what bothers me. Maybe I'm just, I don't put words in your mouth, but, but it's when like, um, you know, Tom York is a genius. So anything he does exactly. yeah. is genius. Uh, 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 and okay. if, if you can't, if you have a dissenting view, i.e., I, his, his side project, Adams for Amok or Adams, Adams for, for peace. peace. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I have it. I have it on LP. I gave it a strong go. I listened to it all the way through on vinyl 
15, 10 to 20 times. And so, like, cause again, it's one of those things that, like, I feel like there's layers. Maybe I'm just not getting it at first pass, and I'm just like listening, listening, listening. Because Chad loves them, loves yeah. loves yeah. Tommy, yeah, yeah. and I just didn't connect with it. I don't. I'm not going to say it's bad. I'm not going to say it's not good art or whatever. It's just not art that I appreciate. It's not art I connect with. And, and you shouldn't feel unsophisticated for that, right? And, and yeah. I, you get, and Chad doesn't make me feel that way. He understands where I'm coming from. But but those fans who like, nope. Tom York can do no wrong, and if you don't get it, that's on you. Um, I yeah, I don't, I don't appreciate that. that I don't it, think that's it's fair. like the rack and tours. Like I like a lot of stuff Jack White's doing done, but I can't stand the rack and tours. You know, that surprises me. I do like the rack and tours, but I respect your opinion and I celebrate <laughs> your ability to say. Tyler, I'm sorry. I think beliefs. you're an idiot for liking that. <laughs> go eat, go eat your your grass fed beef burger Angus somewhere else. <laughs> oh, don't be talking bad about it. grass-fed Angus burgers now. I'm, 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 just, I'm, just, I'm just trying to pull it back to the artisan food. That's thing. a line. Oh, man. All right. So what what is your thing? The thing that everybody uh, likes that if they found out you didn't quite like it, they would think differently of you. Uh, tweet us at Relevant Podcast. You can comment on the podcast episode page at, rele- at uh, relevantmagazine.com, and you can also post on our Facebook page. Well, thanks to Francis Chan for talking to us. Make sure to look, uh, keep your eye out for his upcoming book at the end of August called You and Me Forever. It's a great book and the money's going to great, great causes. Thanks also to The War on Drugs for talking to us. Uh, their new album, Lost in the Dream, is, Lost in the Dream is, um, is great and you can't disagree with that. Yeah, and there's no other way to say it. If I can't, you don't like I can't it, imagine you anybody disagreeing with us. Well, hey, I, I hope that person wouldn't listen to this podcast. Well, here, here, well, hey, listen, for real. Okay, so I'm, I'm not a Tom Petty fan. I'm not a, I mean, I'm a, a fairly new Dylan fan, to be honest with you. I'm not a Bruce Springsteen fan. Sorry, Tyler. But I'm not saying that they, I don't like their music. I'm just not a fan. If, but those influences are very evident on the War on Drugs album. And so for me while it resonated at a deep level for fans of that music or people who grew up in that music, I didn't have that connection with it. Those were kind of the, my least favorite tracks on the album. But the interesting thing about the album is it goes beyond that. You know, it like it beca- it's like this fusion of indie rock and interesting songwriting. It, it has like some 80s vibes yeah, yeah, to it sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's the vintage thing, the little bit of retro influences, but, but it's uniquely now. And it's really interesting and good. And one song sounds actually quite a bit different from the next. And there's a, it, it's a really great album. And probably, I would guess, Tyler, your favorite tracks on it are different from my favorite tracks on it. That's probably true. It, it probably, there's a pretty broad... Because like you said, there's some songs that make me think of, of Petty or Springsteen, and, and those are some of my favorite artists. But I think if you're a fan of stuff that's purely 2014, um, like recent indie rock, you'll, you'll like it as well. The other great thing about this album is, and I think we've lost some of this in the, in, in, in the modern era of music, he really lets songs breathe. I mean, a lot of these tracks are like six or seven minutes, you know? Yeah. But like the, these, he, he lets songs be what they are without having to cut it off to make it some pop song, you know? Yeah, mm-hmm. agreed. Never born. Yeah, so uh, go check out that album. Um, I guess on that note, we'll wrap it up. Uh, for uh, anniversary boy Eddie Koffeltz, who appeared only in about five minutes of the show, uh, for Shauna Nequist, who recorded with us and unfortunately uh, did not make it on, for Chad Michael Snavely, who's in a hospital right now with his new baby. Uh, my goodness, what a weird For week. Team USA. For Team USA. <laughs> who lost... But still kind of won, even though they tied. Whatever. Go, America. (laughs) I'm Cameron Strang. I'm Jesse Carey. 
I'm Tyler Huckabee. All right. We'll see you with the real show normal next week. Thanks for listening to The Relevant Podcast. You can follow us on Twitter at Relevant Podcast. Check us out on Facebook and get bonus material from this episode at the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com. And don't forget to check out the magazine. It's available on newsstands and at the iTunes app store. Or you can subscribe online at relevantmagazine.com slash subscribe. I don't even know where to look. Do I look at the ball? Do I look at their eyes? They know. They're just toying with me out there.